Don't you worry, Mr. Wayne. I will not kill you right away. I have to learn so many secrets in your small little brain. <laughs> <laughs> In case you didn't know, Wing Wing is Agent Double O. It was faces and images that people had never seen. It was different. It was a little James Bond. Midget is not even a midget. He's not a dwarf. Very small, miniature guy who can act. As our dirty finger to Hollywood. We can do it. He's our guy. No budget, piano wire, real stunts, no CGI. The freak came out. I am the guy. <laughs> I wanted to know Wang Wang's story, his real name for starters. I'm trying to find out where he came from and what happened to him. I had a strong feeling the only way I would ever learn the truth about Wang Wang was to go to the Philippines with a big shovel and start digging through the rubble of 30 plus years of forgotten pop culture. <laughs> was the one who edited all of Wayne's films. No. Yeah, James. No. In the late 70s and the early 80s, there was a huge industry going on. Wild West would really be an understatement. He's not like Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's not like Clint Eastwood at the time. He's not Jackie Chan. He's... It's not a very comfortable image. This is exactly what Filipinos do. We transform our pain into ridicule and ultimately manageable in human terms. So I suppose we shrunk the goon. Wing Wing is extraordinary. When I directed him, the luck comes true, forced to me. The curiosity of, what's this Wing Wing? Is he a toy? Vera realizes he's human, he's a person. He's a very sad person. He tried to smile, but you can see it in his eyes that he's very lonely. What? You're such a little guy, though. Very petite, like a potato. Yeah, let's go. Hey, everyone. I'm Gaz Morgan, and welcome to Bizarro Aficionado. We have a crazy episode for you, and... This time, we sit down with Andrew Leval to discuss his film, The Search for Wang Wang. I first saw For Your Height Only around year, must have been around 2000. It's a Filipino spoof of James Bond films, and it stars a two-foot-nine-inch primordial dwarf who went by the name Wang Wang. So I was immediately hooked. Eventually, I saw the sequel, For Your Height Only, which was called The Impossible Kid, and later still one of his westerns, which was entitled The Wild Wild Wang. And these were made in the 60s, and now in 2000, you could find nothing about Wang Wang and who he was. So enter Andrew Leivold, a cult store owner in Australia who also saw these films, and he had to learn more. So in 2014, I learned that there was a documentary coming out about the life of Wang Wang. My mind was blown. Well, he definitely learned more, more than he ever imagined he would for a situation that he expected to find a pretty blank slate. So curl up in your comfy chair or turn up your car radio and be prepared to be captivated because we're going to take you down a serious rabbit hole. 
because we're going to take on the search for Wang Wang. Andrew Leavold owned and managed Trash Video, the largest cold video rental store in Australia. He is also a filmmaker, a published author, researcher, film festival curator, musician, and TV presenter, and above all, unrepentant and voracious fan of pulpier aspects of genre cinema. In 2013, Andrew toured the world with his feature-length documentary, The Search for Wang Wang, which chronicled his quest to find the truth behind the diminutive two-foot-nine-inch Filipino James Bond, as well as for the book version. As of 2019, he's shooting two new feature-length documentaries, The Most Beautiful Creatures on the Skin of the Earth, the third in his Filipino trilogy about erotic cinema under the Marcos regime, and The Pub, a history of the vibrant St. Kilda music scene as told through the most outrageous progeny, Fred Negro. Both films are due for release in 2020, so please welcome Andrew Leivold. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you so much, Andrew. We have so much to talk about. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the interrogation light has just gone on. And I think you did spend some time in waiting rooms of Filipino prisons, but uh, we'll talk about that later, too. But um, so how does, <laughs> how does a man end up in Australia running a... Uh, basically a pulp video store and then suddenly on the search for Wang Wang. And for those who don't know, who was Wang Wang? Well, Wang Wang was. Cause we're going to take on the search for Wang Wang. Like my, my all time, uh, film obsession. And I mean, there were, there were a lot, <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking a list that goes all the way from, you know, Jodorowsky all the way to Rudy Ray Moore and a thousand points in between. But whenever someone would walk into my video shop, they would always say, you know, what what's the weirdest film you have in the store? Because <laughs> the shop was called Trash Video. Right. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> pretty much there in the title. And uh, so I would rummage around and I'd bring out this James Bond kung fu spoof from the Philippines, starring the two-foot-nine James Bond of the Philippines, Wang Wang. And I'd say, there. And they're like, come on, seriously? <laughs> a week later, they'd be back saying, holy crap, that was the weirdest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, so that, that was like my, my litmus test for cinematic strangeness um, in, a, in a lifelong quest to try and find the strangest films. You know, and that's... Taking me to some strange places, I can, I can tell you. Um, but yeah, it it uh, it, it kind of coagulated into into this this one particular question that I kept coming back to: Who was Wang Wang? And um, when I started trying to find that answer, this was you know long before the internet, and uh, there was nothing in the official record books of any kind of cinema about you know the, this figure of Wang Wang. And um, all of a sudden I started finding, you know, copies of 
other films other than Fjord, they started to, um, you know, almost snowball. Then there were traces of, of newspaper articles from the Philippines. Once the internet started getting going and I started making contact with people in the Philippines, they, they're like, oh, I found another one. The cute, the sexy, and the tiny. You know? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh my Is that really God. a title of one? Was, that was an actual title. Oh yep. That one I had never yep, heard that of. Was the last released Wang Wang film, Christmas 1982. Oh my God. Uh, so anyway, the yeah, this this whole question of you know who was Wang Wang, how many films did he make, whatever happened to Wang Wang, was Wang Wang still alive? Sure. I mean, it, that was um, you know becoming a, an overwhelming obsession. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm at a film festival in Brisbane screening a, a mashup of um, old Filipino B films, including For Your Height Only, um, that I called Bamboo Gods and Bionic Boys. That's and cool. this guy from Manila was there. And he said, hey, man, you, you're in Manila. I'm like, oh, my God, go to Manila. This was back in 2006. And at the time, the shop was doing really badly. I mean, I was I was oh, having yeah. to borrow money pretty much to keep keep the door open. But it it was too uh, too good to be true that I, I would actually go to Wang Wang's homeland. Yeah, right. Uh, and and be able to start looking for the answers. So I took a video camera, turned up in Manila. First couple of people I met were Eddie Romero yeah, and right, um, right. Elwood Perez, the director of Silip. Um, Bobby Suarez was the guy who picked me up from the airport. You know, the guy who directed, they called her Cleopatra Wong and oh, the one-armed yes, execute. Yes. I remember, right. Um, so, you know, he, he was pretty much the, one of the first people I saw stepping off the plane was Bobby Suarez meeting me at the airport to drive me to an Eddie Romero screening. I mean, this is, this is my great. introduction. That's a hell of a good it's start. The greatest ever introduction you could ever have to the world of Filipino B films, right. you know, getting, you know, face to face two out of your three all time heroes. Third one was Sergio Santiago. And I ended up meeting him about, mm. you know, a year later, but that's another story. Right. <laughs> anyway, I start, you know, running into all these people at a film festival. I'm getting escorted around Manila by um, Bobby's son. Mm-hmm. Everybody I meet that's connected with the film industry. I'm like, do you remember Wang Wang? Have you ever heard right. of what happened to Wang Wang? And did they? And eventually, um, I run into the the guy that you see in um, the documentary, mm-hmm. uh, this guy in a baseball cap. I said, do you remember Wang Wang? He said, yeah, I edited all of his films, oh, all 10 yes, of them. Yes. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> and that was literally, that was literally me with um, Bobby Suarez's son. Wow. Meeting this guy in the film museum's car park. Said, oh, this guy edited all my dad's films. So I get talking and I say, I'm here because of Wang Wang. Oh, films as well. Total serendipity. And that started the the dominoes starting, you know, yeah. starting to tumble one after the other. From uh, Boy Vignero, the editor, mm-hmm. I ended up meeting some of the old stunt guys. Through the stunt guys, I met um, Wang Wang's director, Eddie Nickart. Right. Uh, through Eddie Nickart. And and his weird connections, I ended up meeting Wang Wang's brother. And through the brother, the only surviving, you know, sibling of, of Wang Wang, um, I get this extraordinary personal story about exactly what happened to Wang Wang. That's amazing. And what his real name was. Um, how he got into the movies, what happened to him while he was in the movies. He basically got fleeced. Yeah, that's how it seemed. Terribly. 
and then um, sent back to the family house, which was essentially a nipa hut, like a like a a grass um, roofed hut. Yeah, so were they like, in, nipas were like reeds. Is that what they were? Uh, yeah, it's sort of reedy, grassy, you know, thick grass, I okay. guess. And so he then spent his final um, years in the house after having a stroke and, and being essentially housebound and then dying in abject poverty Ugh. and complete anonymity. And uh, I mean, I, it, after hearing stories that he'd been adopted by his producer and treated like a prince, like a superstar, right. all of a sudden reality was very stark. And having filmed, you know, all of this process um, over the previous six months, uh, well, three or four months, I realized then that I had the story. That's and unbelievable. That's when it complicated. Yeah. <laughs> like the e I mean, did you have was finding a needle in a haystack? Did you have you know, any idea that, would, that it would go as high as the Marcos themselves? Oh no! I mean, that was that was a pipe dream. Right. I mean, look, I met I met the daughter. Oh right. The daughter was, you know, a, a, a revelation. Yeah. And she says, "Oh yeah, Wang Wang was, you know, constantly at the at the palace. My my parents loved him. My brother was enamored of him. You know, the son Bong Bong. Bong Bong, right? He's like probably going to be the next president of the Philippines after Duterte. Right. P.S. Um. <laughs> and that's another story. Now, is let's is with Bong Bong, is that where uh, Imelda was staying? Because I remember in the film it was talking about her staying at uh, at the governor's mansion. Oh, uh, no, no, the the, um, the mansion was hers. Okay. Uh, the um, resort was Bong Bong. Oh, that's right. Where we and where we're where we're getting the flies waved off. Yes, food, personal right? fly wavers. That's fantastic. Personal fly waver. Yeah, that was a resort owned by Bong Bong. Unbelievable. And uh, you know, once once you start moving in that um, you know rarefied atmosphere, like and and I've been there a couple of times now, peeking into the corridors of power, you just realize how fucking surreal. Oh yeah. Everything is in in the actual. Um, place where um, you know power is wielded, and uh, that, was, that was a real education. I mean, I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, I'm going to be found out. You know, they're <laughs> going to find out I'm, I'm an imposter. I'm going to be executed. I'm going to end up face down in a rice paddy with a bullet in the back of my man. With you know, with a having you never know. Yeah, right. Because I mean, you you hear the stories, right? And I had no you idea know. she still you know wielded that much power there and still lived in that much opulence and was that much revered as yeah. it shows in the film. It's crazy. It's like they really didn't go all that far. They just kind of moved them over here and said, okay. They had a they had a a, a holiday in Hawaii mm -hmm. for a couple of years and then they were back as family as as parental figures. Right. And of course, being Tensely Catholic, you forgive your parents. Oh, indeed. And so within the space of, you know, five to ten years, all was forgiven. And in fact, it was very much like East Germany uh, in the 1990s. Uh, within a very short period of time, there was this intense longing, this yearning to go back to the Marcos regime wow. because things had not worked out uh, for the uh, particularly for the poorer parts of the country, like the Locos Norte, where the Marcoses were from. Right. Uh, things had not worked out in, in their favor.
And so they they desperately wanted that paternalistic uh, authoritarian regime of the Marcoses to come back to save them from the chaos sure. that was happening in the wake of the um, the Marcos's departure. Wow. Yeah, taxi driver saying, you know, it, it would be good if Bong Bong was able to be president again, this would be a good thing for the country. I'm like, are you, are you sure? Wow. <laughs> like, oh, right. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because they, they see the Marcoses as these kind of redeemer figures. Yeah. It's quasi-religious in a way, in in the same way that they embrace uh, a lot of figures uh, with, with the same kind of reverence, like their national hero, Jose Rizal. There's entire religious cults out in out in the province, you know, where they thought that Rizal was the second coming of Christ, oh and they stage mock crucifixions. Uh-oh. No, sorry, not even mock crucifixions, actual crucifixions. Wow. Um, as a as a testament to their faith of their novelist savior figure Jose Rizal. I mean, you know, this this is the reason why I keep going back to the Philippines. It it's this absolutely surreal playground, you know, of the absurd that I can describe it. Right. And when I try to tell people that in Philippines, they're like, in, in what way? Like in every way, Jesus. <laughs> every single way. <laughs> But then you have to be very sensitive and, and realize that you as an outsider can be regarded as very patronizing and, oh, and sure. um, you know, to the point of being sanctimonious. Right, know, right. And saying, look, do you realize how wrong a lot of this stuff is? But, you know, you, 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 learn, to, you learn to keep your mouth shut and your eyes open. And if you hear a motorbike driving up behind you, uh, you develop eyes in the back of your head really quickly. It's it's the it's the reality of 2019 Philippines, unfortunately. So it's still there, just as bad there as it always was. Uh, yeah, it it it, it changes. Um, you know, there there um, it there there's an ebb and flow effect in the Philippines, pretty much because there are from from what I can tell, there are, there's the really old money, and then there's the newer uh, kind of like nouveau riche. Sure. Um, they, they sit on the other side along with the Chinese and, um, you know, the, the Joseph Estrada camp, okay. the Marcoses right. and Duterte. And on the other side, you've got the Catholic Church, um, the, the real old money from the, from the Spanish era, um, the, the media conglomerates. And they pretty much kind of swap every eight years, um, with, with every change of president. It's like the, the, one side takes a turn. I mean, it's kind of like American politics. Yeah, yes, we slip. You know what yeah, I mean? As we like, slip farther and farther down that mess. Yeah. Right, but but you get eight years of that, and then the other side gets a gets a turn, and it's like that in the Philippines. So, you know, ebb and flow. Um, you you know that things are going to get back to some kind of normal or as normal as it. But uh, yeah, right now it's. All kinds of crazy. How, how do we get to there from Wang Wang? <laughs> the Philippines, it seems to be a giant rabbit hole as it is. Tangents. So That's okay. Um, so when, when Wang Wang was born, well, sometime after he was born, at some point his mom kind of either gave him or is there proof that she made some kind of financial arrangement with the Kabbalists to uh, them that start taking right, so- care of him? Yeah, if we if if we can, you know, just kind of put this into context. Um, Wang Wang was born to uh, a family in a desperately poor part of Manila called Baclaran. Mm-hmm. 
It's uh, it's just off off the bay, off Manila Bay. And um, if you can imagine that um, um, Pasay City and Paranaque, they're they're the two suburbs closest to the airport. Um, they were pretty much like razed to the ground during World War Two. As the Japanese retreated, they basically set fire to everything and everyone. And uh, you were lucky to make it out of that inferno, you know, which was the the um, fall of Manila in 1945. And then the area became uh, overrun by squatters from the surrounding countryside okay. that would make makeshift buildings in this kind of rat's nest of a of a, of a setup in um in Pasay and Paranaque. Anyway, in nineteen fifties they tried to bulldoze as much as they could and, and build um structures that might actually stand up. And uh Wang Wang's family were part of those um re- relocated squatters that were actually given a hut with a grass roof. And in what this could dirt well, it's a hell of a lot better than sleeping on a rubbish dump. True point. What a lot of yeah, <laughs> a lot true, of people true. in the field. So they, they got given this this hut and and that was their home with a with a dirt floor crawling with rats and cockroaches oh and this tiny little um primordial dwarf was born into a family of mom dad and four brothers and uh you know there was no money to send the kids to to school sure um it barely keep the family fed um the the brothers one by one grew up and and left home but weng weng didn't make it past grade one I mean, he was he was a little challenged. Sure. Having a, a, a very small brain didn't mean that he was um, simple. It just meant that everyone assumed he was simple. Uh, OK, this, this is what I go into in, in right. the book, because I've, I've found um, so many more people that have come out of the woodwork to say he was anything but simple. He was very aware of what was happening to him at all times. So he. um grows up under the protection of his mom. The the dad had passed away um, several years before. Mm-hmm. She's washing tablecloths for just making enough money to keep the two of them. And then the this husband and wife uh, team of film producers uh, come along to the karate school where Wang Wang's been given free lessons, kind of like as a, you know, like a, like a, a, a novelty act to attract yeah. to the karate school and uh they go holy crap we could put this kid in movies and he starts spending time with the cabalias they they start to clothe him groom him uh to become an actor um they fix his teeth <laughs> you know he, oh, wow. he was given his teeth for the first time ever um they fixed his scabies oh, and Lord, uh eventually his, uh, he, he was in rotten shape and um Eventually, his mom got the idea that uh, the the Cabalias could more or less adopt him. So take him on as uh, there's that thing in Philippines where rich people become the Ninong and Ninang. Okay. You know, godmother and godfather of um, as many of the poor people in their barangays in the in the neighborhood as they can, just so that if something happens to the poor parents, the Ninong and Ninang would make sure that. The, the kids will be at least, um, you know, set up. So all of a sudden, you know, uh, Kabalias are calling Wang Wang their uh, their godchild. He is their, they they are his Ninang and Ninong. And apparently, from what I was told, there was a contract signed between the Kabalias and um, Rita, um, Ernesto's mom, mm-hmm. saying 
and this is what I've been told by someone who was there while the contract was being signed. They wanted to appear in the book anonymously <laughs> because Cora is second tell. But uh, I can I can tell you and, and all of the listeners, because obviously there's this cone of silence over the entire podcast. Right. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Right. The, the contract stated that uh, Wang Wang was to be uh, – Wang Wang's fa- family were to be given a house at the end of his contract, mm-hmm. at, at the, the end of his uh, stint in uh, Lilu Productions movies. Okay. So they, the person who told me this, they said, so did, uh, did they ever get a house? I said, no. No, it didn't seem that way by the end of the film, no. Wang Wang was still living in the same hut and – this person who will remain nameless, they said, my God, then they are, the Kabbalias are worse people than I remember them. The out of office. Oh, uh, yes, yes. And uh, what I can tell, she, she can't go back to the Philippines because there's a, a warrant oh, goodness. for political corruption. Oh, what a, what a rabbit hole. <laughs> so, so they... Well, <laughs> you know, it, it's, and, and you tell people in the Philippines this, and at, at first, they're outraged by the idea that a Ninong and Ninang could betray that that sacred trust. Right. You know that that um, uh, holy uh, bargain contract, basically between um, the the Ninong Ninang and the and the child, that he was basically sent back to Baclaran to resume his slum life. Uh, as, as soon as the Kabbalists decided to um, exit the film industry. And uh, then they consider the story a little bit further and they go, no, actually, this is a very, very Filipino story. It's basically the way the rich people treat the poor people. You know, they, they think, oh, my goodness, I have all these I have all these wards. I'm so important. My God. You know, like a medieval lord. You know, with, yeah, with their exactly feudal sounds. charges underneath them, with the peasant army of children, you know, oh at their at their bidding, and then they the, they basically end up cannon fodder, oh, yeah. essentially. You know, so you know what what can you do? The the Philippines, in many respects, is still that kind of feudal setup where you've got the haciendiera, the 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 man the man in the hacienda in the plantation house. Mm-hmm. And all these tenement farmers just barely scratching out a living while working on the plantation. So Philippines is like one big plantation. And uh, the someone told me that, you know, it's anything but a third world country. It's a very rich country. It's just that hardly anyone gets to see the money. That's exactly <laughs> the direction we're headed. U.S., I reckon, huge swathes of um, the developed world. Are going that way that the the disparity between rich and poor is is growing even more oh, um you know stark yeah <laughs> you know? yeah so you end up in the philippines and think all the dominoes seem to fall in the exact right direction um you end up at the national bookstore and that leads you to um nycart and nycart leads you to his brother uh you find out he's uh ernesto de la cruz uh you learn about his mom and then what I really thought in part of the film, it, it got really weird once you learned about the Marcos connection. And that's when I just remember I'm watching the film going, what is happening? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm, I caught the bit of criticism um, when the film came out for including what's 
pretty much a five or six minute detour into Marcos world. And um, where I go to Imelda's birthday party and I sit her down and I say, what do you remember about Wang Wang? I mean, that, that all turned out very, very strangely. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was at a time when I thought, I mean, I pretty much thought I'd lost the film. The TV station in Australia had bought the project via my co-producer in Brisbane. And they pretty much said, look, you know, we, we love the film, but we don't like Andrew. Get rid of him and oh, no. bring someone else. Bring that, that nice young man who made Not Quite Hollywood in to make Not Quite Manila Wood. Oh, and so they they took Search for Wang Wang and it then suddenly became a film about the Americans going to the Philippines with a very brief mention of Wang Wang in it. I got demoted. I mean, I, I pretty much got sidelined. Uh, from your own film? From my own film, yeah. I got demoted to associate producer uh. and, um, you know, with, with another line in there based on the project for Wang Wang, which was supposed to always remain that, just a byline. Anyway, I, I, right. at, at the point when I went to Imelda's birthday party in 2012, I'd kissed that film goodbye, and I thought I'm going to have yeah. to, I have to do something. I mean, it, it was, it was a humiliating um, three years watching that whole process of search for Wang Wang becoming Machete Maidens Unleashed. Uh, yeah. And and at one point, I think you know, I was so mortified that I could you know, barely make it out of the fetal position. I was just so bummed out. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, and uh, I'd lost lost the shop in the process, so I didn't even have oh. anything to do. I was I was pretty much living off my girlfriend uh, at the time or, or and and trying to sell the remainder of the video stock and right. thinking, what the fuck do I do now? Right. And um, it got to the point where uh, I needed to force change i needed to uh, yeah, definitely something um so i'd been doing all this research about porn movies in the philippines right that that you know bizarre roundabout way had been state funded and state sanctioned by <laughs> ferdinand and right. marcos bread and circuses so, yeah and i thought well Who's the best person to talk about Marcos-funded porn? I thought I'll talk to Imelda. Oh my God, she was the head of kind of head of cinema culture there, wasn't she? Uh, she was the the uh, patron. Um, she right, wasn't really. Right. She, I, I wouldn't call her the the head. Um, mm -hmm. She was like the um, she was like the the fairy that sits on top of the Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> right, understood. And everyone looks up and says, "Oh my God, how." sparkly and wonderful she is she must be responsible for making the entire tree <laughs> oh my gosh that's, that's what melda she's the sparkly angel on top of the christmas tree so um whether people like to admit it or not if, if it wasn't for Imelda, then there wouldn't have been a film industry uh as big or as wide-reaching uh as it was during the marcos regime because they they put certain things in place for films to be able to um to to be funded or to um to be distributed outside of the philippines and fuel height only was one of those films that accidentally through Imelda's manila international film festival of 1982 become the biggest seller out of 
all of the Filipino films at that festival. Now, that seemed to really upset the rest of the filmmakers who were making these serious films. And they're, they're like, are you pissed. kidding me? You, they're, still they're still pissed. pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, was, I was sitting drinking with Celso at Castillo, right? He was, mm-hmm. he was one of the top filmmakers um, at that time. And he, this is 2012, he's like, how, how can you give Wang Wang all this credit? You should be making a documentary about me! <laughs> and, uh, a typical actor-director, so, I mean, right? pretty much how a lot of them felt. They're like, how, how can someone like Wang Wang, who's basically a joke in our eyes, um, be the focus of all of your interest and attention? You know, you should be talking about the important stuff. I'm like, well, in a weird roundabout way, this is important because have you considered dot, 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 dot. Now, you know, after 13 years of going to the Philippines, they're finally taking notice of me. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess, guess, guess he is a little bit. It is, it is so bizarre how just this one little person, this one little two foot nine inch person following and learning about his life was really just a walk through the history of the Philippines from World War Two to, to all his modern day in the 80s it was it was incredible yeah yeah well that, that's what i really wanted to i mean you you can't really put too much in a 90 because you know, shit, <laughs> people, people get twitchy you know otherwise right. oh yeah yeah if, if i put all the detail i wanted to put in there it'd be a three-day film and <laughs> probably i'd probably still be re-editing it i'd be like coppola saying i don't know wang wang redux <laughs> you know <laughs> final cut. no wait for it wait for it new 23 hours of additional scenes right exactly whereas whereas if you do a a 200 page book you've got an enormous canvas on which to to paint as complete a picture as you possibly can about the the stuff that you want to cover which was um you know history of genre filmmaking in the philippines going right the way back to the 1940s and so i was i was able to put in as much detail as I could without going into all the porn stuff. Cause that's the next research project. You know, that's, that's another book and documentary. <laughs> it, it's, it's making me blind, right? Now. <laughs> it's making me grow hairs. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even imagine. But uh, anyway, I should I just, just briefly go back to Imelda, you know, this whole bizarre story yes. of getting to um, getting to Imelda. So, you know, somehow I got her press secretary's email and she says, send me a list of questions. And, sure. and at that time, I thought, well, I'm going to be asking her about state-sanctioned pornography. So oh, I draft a list oh of very God. polite questions, but very specific to the topic. And the last question was, what do you remember about Wang Wei? I thought, fuck, you know, this is my one and only yes. of actually asking the Dowager Empress herself, you know, about a long-dead midget james bond (laughs) the one and only chance so i thought fuck it why not sent right email off i get an email back not a problem but you may have to go to imelda's birthday party i'm like excuse me (laughs) (laughs) it's such a bizarre world that's why it fits here so well but yeah i get it get a crew together fly up locus norte you you see the whole thing In, in a pith helmet, because Celso <laughs> has given me his pith helmet. He That's said, amazing. look, if you're going to Imelda, if you're going on safari, you need the right headwear. So he had just 
he had just signed that helmet to me. So, uh, so I'm sitting on the plane in a pith helmet going, yep. Why the, why the hell not? We turned our little entourage, commandeer a jeepney. We went, this is, this is fucking hilarious. You know, we're going to be rocking up to the palace in a jeep. I, <laughs> in, in the, That's how you do. Yeah, absolutely. We may as well just come in on the back of a bicycle, you know, but, <laughs> but in the back of our minds, we were thinking the whole time, this isn't going to happen. I mean, we're, we're here on a wild goose chase. Imelda's not going to see us. Right. We're sitting around drinking beer, you know, just taking the piss out of the entire pit, out of the entire situation. And then all of a sudden I get, get the phone call. Oh, Mama Imelda's ready for you now. <laughs> Holy shit. Jump the Whoa. jeepney, tear across the countryside. And um, I had no idea that Roy, my friend, was filming the entire process on his iPhone. He just looked like he was taking photos. He's like, dum, 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 you know, and that's right. how we got all this amazing fly on the wall footage of, you know, Imelda entertaining, Imelda uh, playing court, Imelda taking his body of Ferdinand, you know, this kind of yeah. shit. Oh my God, He's yeah. just standing there like this stoned Filipino cheech, you know, just going, hey, man, <laughs> oh, cool, man. Yeah, no worries, man. Right. And so we actually sit down. I interview her for an hour. Mm-hmm. It nothing about porn. <laughs> she just wanted to talk about how. Wang, wang. No, no. She just wanted oh. to talk about how wrong she'd been done in 1986. Oh, you know, of course. 15 years paid to bring down the house of Marcos. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, here we go. Right. And then at the very end, I said, look, you know. What do you remember about Wang Wang? And it was like she it was like she was pre-programmed. All her responses had been, you know, like being played like a computer tape. But all of right. a sudden the, the tape broke. That question broke the tape. And she's like, the, the midget? I said, yeah. The midget? Yeah. <laughs> I said, Wang Wang, what do you remember about Wang Wang? And she, she thought for a second and then she said, he made us laugh. I went, oh, my God, I'm, I'm Melda talking about Wang Wang. Right. And then she went into this soliloquy about how he had nothing, but he gave everything. Oh, what a talent. I salute. And I'm looking at Danny, my co-producer, going, Fuck, we've got Melda talking about Wang Wang. Then we go to the birthday party, and we're wined and we're dying. All the nobility of a low-cost North, you know, <laughs> Chinese ambassador, they're all like, doing this waltz of the dead out in the basketball court. And they put you right at VIP next to their yeah, table, table and everything. Yeah, away from the Marcos family going, shit, we're, <laughs> we're about to be found out. Oh, my God. Right. Because you know? at this point, she's just referring to you as as the as the press, right? Yeah, yeah. So she, she had um, she'd made up her mind that we were um, visiting journalists and that we were clearly sure. asking about – um, you know, how poorly she'd been treated um, over the last 30-something <laughs> years. And uh, meanwhile, we we were sitting there with our jeepney driver. We said, Sess, you're coming to uh, you're coming to dinner. No, 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 no. I said, no, we're, we're taking you, man. This is going to be our fuck you to the entire system. Like, we're bringing our jeepney driver to, <laughs> to the birthday party. And he sat there 
eating his noodles and drinking iced tea going, oh, my God, I'm sitting one table, Jesus. You know, something you'd be telling <laughs> great-grandkids about. And, and eventually it's that rose ceremony where, you know, everyone's handing her a rose. I hand her a rose, so gave her a kiss on the cheek. She said, let's do this tomorrow. I went, again? You want to do it? Again, right. You want to do it again? Holy crap. So next day we're standing on the sand dunes where Sirio Santiago was doing all those post-apocalypse films. And we're like, nah, she's not going to ring. Nah, no one's going to ring. So we're standing there taking photos of me in my pith helmet, <laughs> pretending I'm Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> then we get the phone call. Oh, Imelda's waiting for you at uh, Bong Bong's resort. Oh, fuck, she wants to do this again. We have In her bulletproof she, bus, no less. Yeah, yeah, she then bundles us onto the bus. We get this guided tour of Ilocos Norte, you know, while she's sitting there having all these nana naps surrounded by nurses. Then oh you get to the mansion. Oh, I just want to show you something first. And it was this elaborate ruse to then take us in the body of Ferdinand. <laughs> so he's right so there I'm, in I'm her standing man- there going, in the mansion. Well, yeah, we no, it's um in the building next to the mansion. In oh, the, gotcha, gotcha. Right. So there's a there there was a sign saying mausoleum this way. I'm like, she's not going to take us to see Ferdinand. Oh my God, oh she's my taking God. Us to Ferdinand. And this is what happened. If you were Colonel Gaddafi, you know, or the Shah of Iran you would right. be given exactly the same tour. <laughs> you know, so we're like, wow. these, we're like these visiting third world dictators getting ushered into a concrete bunker cooled by air conditioners, <laughs> looking at this waxen body of Ferdinand Marcos, you know, lying in, uh, 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 surrounded by garlands of dying flowers. Oh and a elders you know, standing there going, oh, you know, she still hasn't been given a, a, a hero's burial. I'm like, yep, yep, shocking. And then I thought, <laughs> okay, and I'm standing there like a like an idiot going, what do I do now? She lurches forward and she's assisted over the garlands of dying flowers so she can plant a kiss on the side of the glass box like she does, you know, for Colonel Gaddafi. And I looked across and Roy was standing there with his phone and I thought, fuck, he's getting a photo of this. This is great. And uh, at that moment, someone noticed that Roy was flashing his camera around and came across to Roy and went, no more photos. He's like, oh, yeah, man, not a problem. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> and so outside I went, Roy, did you, did you get that? He's like, yeah, yeah, no worries, man. And in the jeepney ride to the airport, he showed me the footage. I went, oh, my God, you got film. That's cool. Yeah, I filmed, I filmed the whole thing, man. <laughs> I oh had my God, no that's idea. amazing. Um, but, yeah, I, I always look at Wang Wang as a kind of blank canvas that everyone projected exactly what they wanted to see onto him. And because he was so shy and very humble, it was very deferential, you know, would always um, – because of that, he, he appeared simple because he didn't really speak sure. that much. He had, he had very little confidence in his own voice. But um, Yellen Cottrell, um, the, uh, his, his co-star in Fewer Height Only, you know, Lola, who she gets shot, shot at once or twice a week, you know, and eventually it's going to be bye-bye Lola, you know. You get shot at in a car park. Right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. she said, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with Wang Wang. She made uh, three films with him. And she said we would sit, you know, waiting for a take, and he would talk about the history of Philippine films. 
and yeah. they'd talk about politics and they he was very knowledgeable about stuff sure. it was only when you actually got him in a, in a one-on-one uh situation where he had the confidence to be able to speak that you actually understood that he was a little guy ordinarily yeah. you just go oh, he looks like a child he's probably got the mind of a child oh he is a child and even eddie nickart said you know he's a little simple because Eddie, sure. even Eddie, the guy who trained him, you know, and, and directed him in five films, even Eddie just went, ah, he's just like a kid. Ah, he's simple. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's one of one of the great tragedies of Wang Wang's story, that he was never given the opportunity to um, speak his voice. That no one, right. Everything was overdone. I mean, we, so. we don't even get to hear him because his voice was dubbed. His real voice has been buried under someone else's. And uh, I think that's a, a very poignant metaphor for um, for Wang Wang's actual story. But then, you know, on the Indeed. flip side, he had the biggest adventure that anyone in his situation could have possibly had. I mean, that's true. He was um, getting wined and dined by the Marcos family. He was at Cannes Film Festival in in 1982, representing his own film. You know, <laughs> holy and it, shit! And it seems like he and Peter really lived it up at Cannes because in uh then uh, Cora get mad at both of them. Khan, also them American the film market. Yeah. That was Los Angeles story. Yeah. So they were in LA together. Imagine that. Wang Wang was running around the American <laughs> film market in 82. Right. And um, within the space of, what, less than six months, he was pretty much unknown again. This is the other great tragedy oh. Wang Wang's life, that he was, um, in his own country, he was a megastar. And he had then started to invade the public consciousness on a much smaller scale overseas, but he was still becoming recognized as a star. You know, they were talking about making movies with him in Hong Kong and uh, and possibly even America. And then all of a sudden he disappears off everyone's radar. And it's because Peter Cabalias, um severs his connection with Wang Wang. Cora right. basically says, we're in politics now. Um, Peter, you go and stand over there. <laughs> Don't embarrass me. Mm. Go to Hong Kong. Yeah. Wang Wang's connection, his only connection with show business is severed with uh, the departure of Peter Cavalius. Even if you wanted to use Wang Wang in a film, you didn't know how to get him. There, there was no right. getting in contact with him. He was he was back in the slums of McLaren with no mm. goddamn telephone. <laughs> you know, certainly. Oh, my gosh. And... Um, yeah, he was he was without a voice again. He was basically um, he resumed his kid in the street existence. Yeah, unbelievable. And I know they tried to get uh, the Caballes to uh, pay for the. I think they finally did pay for the casket and the burial. I think at the very end. Well, they they did. Well, they they didn't know that Wang Wang had died um, mm-hmm. until until the wake. And right from what I can tell, from what from what the neighbors have told me. Wang Wang was in a white carnation milk box sitting out the front of mm. the house on oh my God. Nita Street. Right. Someone, I think one of the brothers, went to um, Cora Caballas, Peter or Cora, and said, Wang Wang's mm. died, we need some help. And they swapped the cardboard box for an actual casket. Mm-hmm. Very soon after the wake, he was um, interred in that concrete tomb that you see in the documentary um what i couldn't put in the documentary was the footage that i found of a tv show 
where they'd sent a news camera along to film the interment. Oh, wow. So about three days after I actually went to the, the grave for the very first time, I got a call from the TV station. Oh, we've, we found something that's Wang Wang related. We have no idea what it is. It just says, you know, Wang Wang's in this show from um, from the early 90s. I thought, okay, interview maybe? Who knows? Uh, retrospective, I go down to the sub-sub-basement, this dark room with a prehistoric pneumatic tape player. And three days after I saw the grave, I see Wang Wang's face looking out of a glass panel of the, the tiny white casket being um, slid into place inside oh, wow. inside that concrete tomb in Pasai City Cemetery. I went, holy shit. It chilled. Wow. Because I was looking at the the last moment of Wang Wang um, uh, outside his grave. I, I got given that gift. But when I went to find that footage for the documentary, mm-hmm. the TV station had lost it again. Oh, no. Yep. And I mean, I, I... spent six months badgering them weekly. Have you found right. it yet? No, no, no idea where it is. So it it popped up <laughs> for a moment and then it just disappeared again. But it was enough. It was like Wang Wang coming by to be like, "Hey, thanks." It's, it's <laughs> you know, going, here's here's a little gift. You know, here's here's right. a post, here's a postcard. <laughs> you know, from the other side. Oh my gosh. And I think that what a rabbit hole. The serendipity and chance and and weirdness surrounding it. I I think if you ever wanted to believe in, uh, you know, um, another dimension. <laughs> Let's just say a hidden world where weird shit happens. You know, there's your proof. You know, the search for Wang Wang is proof for me that... Um, Everything did kind that, of just yeah, fall you, in line. Yeah, yeah I mean, if, if, you go on a, if you go on a personal crusade, if, if you go on, uh, on, on a um, quest, which will probably change your life, and it did. It completely transformed my life. I mean, weird shit's going to happen. Yeah. Because you're looking for it, and because your your eyes are open and your your mind and your heart are receptive, weird shit is going to pour in. And it, and it did. And it, the only the end, way to describe it is it's just fucking weird. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, in the end, what was the film's effect on you? I mean, it had to have a monumental effect. The film's effect for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, all of a sudden, I was a legitimate filmmaker. Sure. You know, I'd gone from <laughs> sure, sure. video shop, failed video shop owner to, you know, filmmaker. And you know, the 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 next year after after premiering the film at the end of 2013, within six months, I'm at Cannes. <laughs> you know, I'm at the right. Cannes film market screening my film uh, for people who would end up bringing me throughout Europe and, and to the US and being treated um, like what I'd done was important. And up it until was. that moment, yeah. every everyone had said, your, your idea for the documentary is a joke. What? ABC yeah. had fired me off my own film because they thought I was a loose cannon. <laughs> mm you know, or, or some rat bag who, who was just a wing-wing obsessive but had no idea what they were doing as far as filmmaking. I mean, I've, I've pretty much been written off by everyone as that. And when I didn't have the video shop anymore, I was just that guy who used to have a video shop. Right. 
And all of a sudden, you get your purpose back. In fact, you, you get a new purpose, and that is to tell stories possibly of, you know, underdog figures because that's exactly how you see yourself as as yeah. uh, as this sort of scrawny, uh, scrawny dog who's been kicked too many times who finally learns how to get it on their legs again. And um, I, I, there's definitely an element of that in my story as well as Wang Wang's story. Sure. That is amazing. Fuck. <laughs> you know? I know. <laughs> like, seriously. So, yeah. yeah, it's completely transformed my life. But I tell I you, want... I've, I've got a weird story for you. And this, this, is, this is one that I don't tell anyone, but I think this is an appropriate oh, good. moment to tell you, right? Yeah. Okay, so this is, you know, more than 12 months before I started going to the Philippines. Okay. I, had, uh, I had a scarily psychic friend suddenly, uh, you know, pull me aside at a party. And she said, "Oh my God, you're 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 trying to tell me stuff. <laughs> like, what wow. the fuck are you going on about?" And she's like, oh, "No, no, 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 it's all coming too fast, coming too fast. Uh, I gotta I, I gotta sit you down tomorrow, and I got some stuff you need to know." So next morning, I, I hadn't slept a wink all night. I'm like, "Oh God, what, what the hell am I about to be told?" She she sat me down. She said, "Okay, um, you're, you're a." You're about to go on a quest, and it's going to completely change your life. And it's kind of film-related, but it's sort of investigative journalism, if that makes sense. Wow. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. She's like, well, she said, and, um, yeah, it's, it's all going to start near Singapore. I said, oh. America? No, near Singapore. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to go to Asia. What the right. hell? And she's like, no, just just prepare. Because she said, once you start to travel, you will not stop. She said, but wow. it'll be a very long and hard road that you have chosen for yourself. But the rewards at the end of it will be immense. But you're going to have to get rid of your shop to be able to do it. I'm like, oh, oh I don't like the sound of any of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's frightening, though. I'm like, yeah, give up everything that you have for this quest. And yeah, yeah that's frightening. Exactly what I did. It's exactly what happened. Yeah. And it was like investigative journalism. So that was, yeah, more than a year before I started going to the Philippines. And on the train going back to Brisbane after having the conversation with my psychic friend, sitting there going, wow, I wonder if she meant the Philippines. I wonder right. if I'm going to do that entry idea I had about, you know, looking for Wang Wang. And I think at that moment i started to consciously prepare the soil sure <laughs> i started to till Man, the soil. So it was all destined well it, it you could argue that her suggestion um caused everything to happen that it was you know it, it was um um she'd prompted uh things sure to, yeah but whether she predicted it or whether i had made it happen at her suggestion, I mean, who knows? But man, you couldn't get more accurate than that. Holy crap! Or maybe Wang Wang really was the Santa Nino. <laughs> well, yet you, you know he had healing powers. That that's that's what I heard that okay, they well, were attributing I, miracles yeah, I, to him. And uh, well, I put the story in in the book because um, it it took until 2014, 
um, when I was touring around Europe and I'd just come back from Europe and I'd told the family, Wang Wang's family, that I'd finally given Wang Wang his, his name back at Khan after, mm-hmm. you know, 30 something years. And they were like, Oh, this sure. is beautiful. Um, the, uh, I, I decided to do a screening for the family and, and friends and, and relatives on Unita Street, um, and do a pop up screening outside the house where Wang Wang was born and where he died. So, um, we rented a marquee from the Barangay cops, popped up a screen, um, put on pizza for the kids and, and brandy for the adults, and we had a street pup and screened the film. And there was about 50 people just sitting there, yay! Because they could see their street in the film. Sure. And they could see the the lady who runs the corner shop who who went to grade one with Wang Wang, you know, and there's right. Um, there's Wang Wang's brother and sister-in-law. And now, oh my God, they were going bananas, white devil showing them, <laughs> you know, showing right, them right. a film of them and, and telling the story of their most famous resident. They, they loved it, you know, and, um, towards the end of the screening, this guy comes up, comes up to me and says, Hey, Hey, nice film. I said, thanks. He said, my name's Nelson. He said, I was, Two doors down from Wang Wang. He said, you know, I spent my entire childhood with, with him coming into my house once, once a day. I went, oh shit. So we got the story right. He's like, oh yeah, you got the story right. He said, um, I said, um, hey, uh, can I ask you a question? I said, that whole story about the Santo Nino. I said, you know, did, did everyone think he was like the Santo Nino? He said, well, he healed me. I went, oh, fuck. Got out my (laughs) tape recorder. I said, oh, yeah. look, do you, mind, do you mind if I, can I please record this? I said, can you, can you repeat that? He said, well, he healed me. He said, uh, I was about eight years old and, or maybe 12. He said, and, uh, I was playing in the street. Wang Wang prayed over a pot of holy oil and rubbed it on my arm. He said, yeah, it was like, healed in a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. He had healing powers. What? Oh what? my God. And then it turns out Wang Wang's co-star in caliber 357. Right. Didn't even know that mm-hmm. Wang Wang was in it. Turns out all his scenes were cut out of, uh, oh, wow. of that's film. Right. So, uh, Nelson was telling me his stories about Wang Wang. So apart from the fact they hung out just about every day for four weeks and were watching Italian neo realist films like Bicycle Thieves and planning a remake of the Bicycle Thief where Wang Wang's amulet gets stolen and he has to go through the Manila slums looking for his stolen stone. Oh my goodness. Like all this shit, right? <laughs> he said, right. uh, yeah, first time I saw Wang Wang, he said, I walked into a room and he's sitting there with a jar of these like magical stones. He said, he picked a red one out and he said, in Tagalog, look at this stone. He said, and you will feel a heat on your arm. He said, it was like, like someone just stabbed out a cigarette on my arm. He said, man, wow. that little kid had the shining. Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so there's two independent witnesses to him having yeah. some kind of, you know, juju. That is amazing. I want there to be a Saint Wang Wang. Well, you know, I'll, I'll petition the Pope. You know, next time. Right. <laughs> next time I'm in <laughs> that Rome, could be your next I'm movie. Like, like, come on, you're a Catholic. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Come on, help a brother out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> oh my god well it's uh it's been about an hour andrew thank you so much for coming on here these stories are incredible wang wang was so much more than i ever thought even when i was uh I was first introduced to his films probably in around 2000, something like that, and I just became obsessed with them and The Impossible Kid and The Wild Wild Wang. And, I understand. And, I totally understand. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then as soon as I heard you were doing this, you know, back in 2013, and word started to spread, I guess it was more like 2014 at this point, that the uh, the film was coming out, I'm like, ah, I am so excited <laughs> So when once I started doing the podcast and everything, I'm like, I have to get Andrew on here. I have to hear the whole story. Well, you you heard part of the story. <laughs> we, we got into some weird places. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, if, listeners, you have to you have to find his film. You have to watch it. There is so much more. He's made a secret agent. You have to see the Amelda parts. You have to learn about his childhood and growing up. Uh, where can they find, if they want to go see this, how can they find it? Oh, well, it's streaming on a couple of different services. Uh, okay. So I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon. Okay. And um, if not, just Google um, Google stream, search for Wang Wang, and you'll find it at some point. Um, if not, you know, <laughs> just email me. I'm sure I can hook a brother up. <laughs> but as far as the book version goes, I think you can um, order that from Amazon, or if you want me to in it, um, I'm always happy to do that. You can get a, a copy directly from me. And i still got a, less than 50 Wang Wang bobbleheads left um, from the original Search for Wang Wang Kickstarter campaign. So, All right, I'm going to need to purchase one of those. <laughs> you need one of them. I do need one of those. That's fantastic. But thank you so much for coming on and – Really appreciate the stories and your adventure. Oh, my, my pleasure. And uh, look forward to talking more about Imelda and porn after the next yes. film. Yes, yeah, definitely we'll have you on because I wanna, can't wait to hear that connection. Yeah, well, we didn't even get to tell stories about smuggling beer into military prison. Oh, my God. Yes, and I want to hear the, the, the story about uh, – was that going to see uh, Rudy Fernando? Well, no, Rudy, Rudy had died, but this was Strata's son, Jingoy. Um, while well, he was still behind bars. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, before it starts another hour, <laughs> we will definitely have you on again because there's so much to talk about. Thank you so much, Andrew. I look forward to it, man. Wow, what a rabbit hole. I mean, I, I went into this knowing very little about Wang Wang until I saw uh, Andrew's documentary. But I please go out and, and find this documentary, whether it's through Amazon or whether uh, YouTube or just Google it and you can find it and watch this documentary it, so much more than just the life of some little actor, how his life intertwined and how so many people exploited him and used him. And it tied into uh, Filipino culture to the, the Marcos regime to uh, to in the end when uh, they were he believed that he was the living embodiment of uh, 
the Sante Nino and people claiming that he had healing powers and he was healing them. And it, there's so much to see, even even if just to see uh, Andrew's meeting with uh, Imelda Marcos and and the the almost fantasy like world that she lives in. And it's so worth it. it it's such a rabbit hole. It's so bizarre. It's so strange and touching and interesting and everything you want in in entertainment and uh and history and learn a little bit god forbid y'all learn something out there but i really want to thank andrew leevold for coming on to a fledgling podcast and uh giving me his all and taking us on that wild ride and the uh the music provided for the show today is by the chuds the wang wang rap and I want to thank those guys. So definitely head on out there. Check out the video. Find it where you can, the film, and uh, and report back what you think. You guys can talk to me, you know. You can join the uh, Facebook group. If you want to send an email to the show, you can send it to bizarroaficionado at gmail.com. And uh, if you have any questions out there, just let us know. And uh, we will see you next time around. Hey yo, we good to go? Hell yeah, it's Agent Double O. Don't want no trouble, those are your best. Put your weapon down slow. Keep your hands low down where he can see him. To put him up high, he's a tiny human being. Guaranteeing security to Filipino citizens. For the same thing to Wang Wang, guilty, innocent. He got his own style, he's got a cute little smile. In fact, one time he even got picked up by a pedophile. Kill daddy, skill that. The art of attack. He got a razor blade, had a little guy in a rocket pack. He doesn't like boots, so never pull him a shot of Scott. Just give him a coat. You won't get a pop in the crowd These movies you love to watch You know that they all sweet Wang Wang is doing this thing Thing under three feet They say that he's whack That he's weak Yeah, yo, you know what? They say that in the Philippines And watch out for the bowl cut
wang 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 two foot nine he'll kick you in the nutsack from behind if you think wang wang's coming soft to slack never that never that never that he's back on the scene is the man who just cash checks and have sex he's seen your mama naked with his high tech mod spec birds in hotel room never giving a shit if he sees a naked bitch best believe she get a tender kiss at the bus and some heads y'all could catch him at the disco rocking up skirts and clocking more thongs and sits Staying alive with no jive when he dance the women cry they get hypnotized by his hips swinging side to side these fake secret agents try to front but they get played wang wang could piss brosnan with a katana blade leave you in the hospital your condition is critical you finished bro even the doctor sounds a little cynical you're such a little guy though very petite like a potato yeah let's go Pretty boy, handsome dude. Oh yes, yes. 